guys. They do magic. magic. They are the magic guys. I don't know if you can even hear me. Maybe you can't. But we are here for <laughs> episode 134. We've just been backstage uh, figuring things out. But now we're mighty here. To my left, I have Nick Caddy. Oh yeah. Jeez, you're getting the audience drunk straight away, mate. You're not even we're not even giving them a chance now. Well, I'm on vacation, you see, and so um it's noon where I am in beautiful <laughs> Queenstown, New Zealand. And um it's phenomenal here. Absolutely gorgeous. And so it's okay for me to have a scotch on this thing. I don't condone drinking. Just for all the young listeners out there, I don't condone drinking, but I do understand it. This is all about research. And yeah, this is one one of those times that it's uh, when you drink. It looks you, great. That background behind you is beautiful. It is phenomenal. I would love to like bring you guys out on the balcony, but it is a, a very brisk two degrees out there. I thought about doing it from the actual balcony where we could look at the snow-capped mountains that just sit outside my apartment, but uh, I decided against it. Um, at this very moment, there's actually this uh, like boats and so forth mucking about in the water, and they have this really interesting type of submarine thing it's actually buzzing past right now as we speak it's kind of shaped Ooh. like a shark and you sit in it and you just buzz through the water and you can like dive into the water and come out like it's like speedy submergible submarine type thing and i'm very curious about going out there and giving it a try earlier to like later on today so anyway i digress oh. josh how have you been you have been doing shows upon shows upon shows how are they going <laughs> Mate, we finally finished them on Sunday, and it's the first time I've been physically tired from doing the thing I love Where to the point where I just can't do anything right now. Like yesterday, I just took the day off. I didn't want to hear from anyone. <laughs> I didn't want to just do anything. Like my ankles are sore, my shoulders are sore, my abs are sore, just from just physically doing stuff. I was going to say this was physical show right like are you, are you still doing backflips in your show and stuff yeah man i did 27 backflips in in the last nine days and that's definitely what made the ankles a bit inflamed like waking up in the mornings just because it's you know a hard floor and and whatever and uh yeah the shoulder my shoulder started to give out i mean i i think i, I mentioned in my vlogs that i was making like each day but on the second last day my shoulder was starting to feel really fatigued just from the swinging action of flipping, which has never happened in my life. But that's because I've never had to do so many in one one time frame. And just like we, Chris and I were just both holding out. We're like, all right, we just got to keep our bodies together, you know, for two more days. And then, of course, the second last day, he decides to like not shatter his foot, but like he got a massive bruise and like some nerve damage. Because every show he stomps a balloon dog <laughs> into the oh, ground. And just the sheer trauma of doing that every show, finally, like he just did it one and he was like, oh, God damn it. And uh, we asked for an ice pack. And because you asked for an ice pack at the fair, they have to, by law, get a paramedic to assess you and give you the ice, ice break. So on the video, it looks hilarious because you just see – him stomp it and then it cuts to these two paramedics in there giving him this ice pack and assessing him and 
Ah, uh, yes. Kind of interesting, okay? Just, just, just for reference, you're still in your 20s, okay? I'm in my no, late 30s, and Doug- I, I'm who, not in my 20s, I must how say. How old are you now? I'm 34, man. I'm oh. mid, mid, I'm, I'm closing, I'm getting to mid-30s. Okay, now I can empathize with where you're at because me are slowly approaching the lovely age of 40 and Doug, mm. who is not joining us today because Doug is celebrating his birthday today. Doug, that's right. He's turning 50,000 years old. I have no idea how old Doug is, but he looks not a day over a thousand years old. Now he's so great, but he um, he's not joining us today because uh, it is obviously the evening and his side of the planet and his family have organized a really wonderful celebration for his birthday. So guys, if you have an opportunity, please message Doug on his socials and wish him a very, very happy birthday. Um, he was very regretful. He can't make it, but yeah, only that's good right. So here's, cheers, here's the thing. Cheers, right? Doug. Cheers, Doug. I'm having a scotch for you, buddy. Um, it's actually mm. a bourbon. So here's the thing, right? You look at the ages in which you perform at, okay? Um, you know, Chris Angel, he's in his 50s, right? And he's doing upside down straight jacket escapes. Um, even like John Wick, Keanu Reeves, who's doing these amazing stunts and driving cars around and flipping people. And then mm. you hear stories of us magicians who have to see paramedics for stomping on balloons. There's something inherently <laughs> sad about that. There's something just not right. Like what happened? I was like, Oh, high five the kid. And now I got to see a paramedic. Like there's just something inherently weird about that. And I just feel that we need to up our game a little bit. <clears throat> it is not the most physical work, but if you do have a good physique and, and you guys do, I mean, both you and Chris are in phenomenal shape. You're very, very healthy, active gym people. Um, but me, I, I am just not right now. Not right well, it, it, it's winter time. Ah, I mean, you're snowboarding. That's still pretty physically demanding. Chris, Chris yeah. is also, um, Chris is 39, right? So he's in that age where he's got to watch what his body does, which apparently isn't a balloon dog. <laughs> <clears throat> but, you know, who knew? But you're totally right. It's, I never thought I would have to consider, um, the physical things I'm doing in a show until now where you're actually having to repeat it multiple, multiple, multiple times. And, but I'm, but I'm so grateful I got to do it all and it was great and everything. It's just like my mm. body now is like, my body's now is just like, just relax and try and recover before like gigs start again on uh, Thursday. Mm. Well, here's a question for you as well. And by all means, guys, you can ask your questions here as well through the uh, sound pipe and everything else. But I have a question for you, Josh. So is it the frequency in which you do performances that are plaguing you or is it longevity? And the reason I say this is that most of my residency sh uh, shifts are for three hours in my residencies and in which all of the magicians on the Omegan brand are performing. And they go, how do you do roving magic for three hours? Aren't you exhausted? And I say, no, I sometimes do two or three of them a day. And so I, I, I personally can do it and, and love it. But there's some people like, I can't do more roving for more than an hour or, or two at most. And then I have to go take a nap. Mm. So what do you say? Do you say it's a longevity versus the frequency that is most taxing? Well, I'll say that, like, to be honest, I don't actually do. I try not to. I don't really offer three hour roving options now anymore like it's wait, just not really uh, wait. question can't or won't yeah no i it's a preference yeah it's a preference so you it, won't 
But it's, it is definitely because at the end of it, I'm just like, fuck. Like I am just like. <laughs> so this you know, is between people who, who are more endurance based cardio and people who are muscle heads like you, you look amazing. Hmm. All right. But you break True. down after like you're a muscle car and I'm like a bicycle with very little that can break down. True. Yeah, true, man. Uh, and like, you know, I did the Amigan gig a few weeks ago, which was three hours. And and uh, I don't want to do them again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, my honest opinion. Yeah, look, my honest opinion is um, I would never choose to do that. Um, but I would to help like to fill in for Nath again, like what I did. Um, but, and it was nice to like put myself through it. It's the most relaxed gig ever. So it's not like it's that bad, but just like that time frame, not, not really my jam anymore. I remember I used to do it. No worries. Like some gigs were like four hours and all that kind of stuff. But now I like to get in there, do my best magical work in an hour, maybe two hours. And, and that's, that's, that's what's up. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw that out to the listeners as well. Anyone's listening and on the chat right now, let us know what's the longest gig you've done. What's the shortest one you've done. I want to hear mm. it. And then once you answers come through, we'll, we'll post them right here. Yeah. So what do you say? We jump into our first yeah. segment of gig stories. You ready for this, Josh? I'm sure you got some stories after doing 29 shows. Oh mate, do I? All right, let's do it. Gig stories. <laughs> So gig stories are stories or just little moments in magic, my friends, in which we've been performing for friends, family, or at events. We want to share these stories for posterity. You, of course, can share your stories on Pipeline as well. So please come at us, starting with Josh's story today. Josh, come at us with a story. <clears throat> All right, let me try and think of a couple of things that happened at the Eka. What I was super surprised, by the way, over 27 shows None of our props like exploded or totally gave out on us. That was great. I, mm. I had to inv- I had to invent uh, and not invent. I'm so I'm sure this has been invented before, but I created a quick change pair of shoes for this act for the show. And uh, I was really surprised that my own gimmick that I made held up the whole time. Oh. <clears throat> so so basically, I show. Because in this segment, it's uh, like the whole show is called The Dueling Magicians. So we do pieces on stage, but in between our pieces, there are these little dueling moments where a theme will come up on the screen and we have to perform to that theme. So there's a theme that comes up as bowling and uh, there's all this bowling stuff that happens. But one of them is I show my shoes are not bowling shoes and then I whip my jacket over them and then reveal them as bowling shoes. It's kind of like a fun, quick bit. Um, but there was a whole process to make them, but very surprised it, they worked in every single show. So I'm pretty proud about that. Um, but in terms of like funny things that happened, oh, let me tell you a gig story. That's not, it's not my story, but it happened. So there are other performers at the Eka, right? There's a stage that we're on and there's stuff happening all day on the stage. One of the things that happens on the stage is, um, the, uh, a hypnotist that I was mentioning last week. So his name is Shane St. James. Oh, okay. And his, his dad, uh, who's, who's passed away now, that taught him everything he knows, was actually 
like quite a well-known hypnotist in Australia. Like he kind of set the bar for, for hypnotism. So this guy, Shane St. James, doing his hypno shows, right? And people always think, are hypnotists real? Is it really happening? Are people faking it? But here's two things that you cannot deny. So one is in his show, he makes someone think they're Superman. When they hear the Superman song come on, they have to go in the crowd and find a damsel in distress and rescue them by bringing them onto the stage. Okay. Well, this time... So these are two times that the Ecker management had to talk to him about stuff going wrong because the Superman he picked found a damsel in distress, which happened to be an elderly woman. Oh no! <laughs> and he and he so he manhandles her and grab and brings her up onto the stage to save her. I now, understand. no person in their right mind, is, I know, no person in their right man is going to do that, but this Superman. Just rips this old woman out of her seat and brings her to the stage. Best thing ever. All right. She lived. She was fine, by the way. This is just funny. And then the second thing that happened, um, which me and Chris looked at each other and we we're like, oh, that is, how do you get away with that? And normally he does these shows on the ships, but this is a family show, and but only adults come on stage. There's a part where he makes everyone feel in love with the audience. Oh dear. And when you hear the song come on, he they kept telling him to say, to cut out the word kiss because he says, when you hear the song, you fall in love and you just want to kiss and cuddle everyone. And the problem was that uh, there was someone that went in the audience and started kissing other people's kids. <laughs> and it all, no one complains, it all, you know, played off as fun, but the management were like super onto it because they were like that, like, like a dad watching that could totally go and knock out the person trying Can to I kiss their kids. Like, you know? oh, management were probably like, oh, we, we can't have this. We certainly don't want any of this getting out. Like we don't want anyone mentioning this on a podcast, for example, with like <laughs> thousand people <laughs> listen to it. But the thing is, I, I was talking to Shane about it and he's like, like, because the funny, the gray area here is it's not him doing it. It's the audience doing it. You know what I mean? So, like, if someone does something bad, <laughs> it's not the hypnotist doing it. It's the audience. Because the audience can't, even when you're being hypnotized, you can't, you can't be made to do something that is against no, your morals or you, that you really, really don't want to do. Yeah. It all comes down to how relaxed you are on stage and things like that. So it's not really his fault. Therefore, he was fine talking about it. And I'm sure he doesn't mind me bringing up this story because, you know, he had lots of great shows too. But yeah. there were two moments that as a hypnotist, I never thought of like the things that you could have happen that could be yeah. bad, you know? But you know, yeah. Um, I can say, if I may interject for a sec, is that like yeah. um, I have been put under in, in hypnosis. Um, Phoenix Montgomery, who operates out of New South Wales, I think is my personal favorite mentalist in all of Australia. I love him to bits. And he's also does a hypno show and he put me under and he gave me amnesia and I could not remember like my name. <laughs> no, could mm. not remember my name. And then he gave me a stupid name, like Mr. Poopy pants or something of that nature. And I was like, that's your name. And I'm like, yeah, man, I was named after my grandfather. Like, and my dad was in his grandfather. It's like a thing in my whole family. And I was so convinced of it. <clears throat> and I couldn't like, and it's, it's, it's a really fun 
fun experience for sure, you know? And then he glued my hand yeah. to a table and I couldn't move it off the table. And it is, it is real, but it's all through suggestion. And I think ultimately people who can be put under are people with like really phenomenal or really good, let's say at the very, very least, very good imaginations. Mm. And that's what it kind of takes, you know, because there's a belief system that needs to, to be engaged in order for you to, to, in, you know, to happen. And belief is the strongest thing in the world. Like when you truly believe something, like nothing stops you. Like if you truly believe I'm going to be the best baker in the world and as long as oh, you, believe yeah. that, you can keep going, I'm going to be the best, you know, away you go. So that absolutely. And he talks, he, he was telling me a lot about it too, where it has to do with like, number one, how comfortable people are doing stuff. So they'll go crazier at stuff than other people. Like he does a thing where he gets everyone to strip tease, but he says, you will not take your clothes off. You will pretend to take your clothes off. But if you have someone that is a stripper or loves getting naked, they won't hear that part and they will actually, like he said, he's had like a girl tr just fully start to take a kid off. But this is on like a um, carnival cruise or something where it's all adults and stuff. Okay. And then he's, he's also had a guy just fully whip his dong out and he had to stand oh. in front of him and be like, what are you doing? Like cover up, get off. You know, because this guy obviously uh, is a creep. But <laughs> you know, it's remarkable. It's the type of thing where, like, if your mic was cutting out, like, it's, it's like a get naked, close <laughs> off, warm them, close, front of every. Okay, like, oh, that's what I heard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like, and Tom's Tom's right. Not everyone can be put under. Absolutely. But the people that do, it's quite funny. And and the thing he says is. There's a thing that there is a physical change that happens with people that when they start to do these suggested things, they get this rush of endorphins. And so it makes them subconsciously want to play along even more because they keep getting this yeah. crazy rush that keeps happening. And that's what really gets you uh, sucked in. But man, it was funny to just watch it. You know, he only had to do one show a day because very taxing and it's like a 40 minute show. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, to see that happen nine times is just wild. What I'm curious about, Josh, is how does the induction go down? Because an induction typically on stage. Now, I just for the record, mm. like, I, I don't do hypnotism, but I studied a lot of it. Like I studied it for like the better part of a decade. Um, everyone from Anthony Jackman to James Brown to you name it, I read everything, and I have done it. I put people under. It's not something I, I trust to do. Um, better than the average bear, and just with the line of work that I have, I decided to just not pursue it. Um, as part of my my repertoire. But for those of you that don't know, when you want to do an induction, it's quite a lengthy process. And it could take anywhere between, like, you know, this, this stuff where it's like, oh, I saw a guy do a handshake induction and he just like, boom, and puts him under in like minutes or in, in a single handshake, like within seconds. It's not something that can be done at mass. I mean, you're doing a stage show, you need maybe 30 minutes of these type of inductions where you have people put their first two fingers out and as their fingers slowly draw to a close, it's this very slow convincing that you put under of people, right? And then when they're under, you try to do suggestions where it's like, it's funny. And the more the funnier it is, the better it feels. The better it feels, the more you laugh, the more you laugh. And you, you have these like repetitive things that keep happening where it's like, oh, your hand's glued to the table. And it's funny because the funnier it gets, the, the, the tighter your hand's stuck to the table, you know? And so you have these little things where you keep pushing people down the line. This takes time. In The Illusionist, when they toured, during the intermission, there was a 30-minute intermission, and that's when the inductions were being done. 
are they doing inductions live on stage or is the induction being done where it's like the show starts in 20 minutes time and there's a bunch of strangers up on stage and everyone's going under like how is it how is that being managed yeah so this is a very typical of like even what a crew because this shane mainly does cruises like his whole life right so it it is essentially there's in this audience maybe 500 people Mm. right so it essentially what he says is you know he, he he words this very well but essentially being hypnotized feels great. You'll end up feeling like you've, you've been sleeping for eight hours and you'll feel refreshed afterwards. Who wants to feel like that? If you do, come up on stage. And then so he'll start by just having 20 people come up, like right? Because obviously, if you're willing to get hypnotized, there's a pretty, there's a better hit rate of it happening, right? So, so basically, he puts the call out who wants to get hypnotized that probably takes the longest time just to get people encouraged to like, once they see a few people go up, they'd be like, okay, I'll try. And then he starts the process of inducting them. He just does it with everyone watching. But as he's starting to do tests of um, hypnosis, people that aren't responding to it, he just sends them back to their seat. So eventually from 20, probably have 10 people that are really, playing along well and then out of those 10 he finds one that will be like the star of the show because he has one character that that um at the end people really love this character so he finds like the one hero but yeah it usually goes from like the whole audience to the 20 that want to come on stage and then whittles down to like 10 but sometimes he was down to like even six or five by the end just because um of whatever reason you know people just not not going under Look, it is a game of numbers, and it's one of those things that you really need to be careful about when you're doing these inductions because um, like when I was reading up on this and studying it, what I found out was people who were doing these types of shows and going things – like saying things to the effect of like, you are now an Olympic swimmer. Go for it. And then they would like climb on top of a table and just dive <laughs> into concrete. And mm. there is a level of care that you should have in, in all of your performance, in, 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 in truly in your day-to-day. Let's be real about it. you know. But it is one of some of those things that – you need to listen to these stories and learn from them because, you know, if you want to go down that path, things happen. And that's why we like gig stories. And we love hearing your gig stories as well, friends. Go ahead and share them with us. But uh, I have a, a cute little gig story. Well, it's kind of cute, but it's something that happens. And I'm sure we've all experienced it, but I experienced it a lot in the past week. And I'd like to share it with you guys. How many times have you guys been performing and you just do a piece of magic, maybe unintentionally, so such a hard hitting piece and i promise you this it wasn't anything that i was playing on people's emotions it wasn't anything in which i was saying like oh your grandfather is here and you can you know like any sort of spiritualist that stuff but i was just doing my own material but it was hitting so hard over the past week at the events that i was doing i caused three people to cry like it was just so overwhelming that they just couldn't figure it out and they were just crying like that's amazing oh my god i don't know why i'm crying but i'm crying and i was like and I was, and, and I'll just set to my like I go. It happens a lot. It happens. Yeah, it happens all the time. You go. It's it's, it's full on. Is because I just I can't. It's just so full on. Like it's such a a feeling. And I'm like I know it's good, right? Go with it. Go with it. And I would just hug them and let them cry. But just to the audience, like how many times have you performed stuff? Not with the intention of trying to do like a hard hitting emotional piece. And I promise you, nothing I was doing was pulling on heartstrings by any means. I was just doing my version of like the invisible deck in which I use an index. And anyone who's been to my lectures has seen it. It's a good piece, okay? But 
I don't think it's anything to pull the heartstrings the way that like a Darren Brown piece would, you know what I mean? Where he's trying to like call people upon the dead and hits this sort of notion. But it was just this really exciting thing that I was, I was just doing the same routines I always do on a weekly basis, but causing people to cry because it was just hitting them in the hardest way, either because maybe they hadn't seen magic of that caliber or experienced something that was so like impossible or maybe in which the way I crescendoed my routines and made everything more and more and more and more impossible over these multi-phase routines, you know? Um, and then at the end, hitting them with something that was just so hard that they just went like, how, 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 how? And mm. it just, and it was so like orphan inducing that it caused them to be overwhelmed. But I felt there's a level of responsibility there because I know that they weren't upset and know that they weren't mad at me. They were having a great time, but it was causing them to cry. And I was just curious, like if it's something that I should be a little more conscious of, avoid or let, or, or is that, is it generally a great experience they're having? What do you mm. think? Well, the first thing I'll ask is, yeah, have you built in sliced onion into your new suit? That is a freaking great idea. Because imagine if someone was crying, just and you're like, face. yeah, yeah, or, <laughs> or if it's happening a lot, or what if I don't know? It's probably not appropriate, but it'd be just funny. What if you, if my, you no, no, you have an onion, you have an onion in your jacket. So when someone does cry, they're like, I don't know why I'm crying. And you're like, oh, it's probably because of this. Sorry. And you great onion out. Just, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Like, that's funny. Um, and then, but yeah, man, I just, well, how often do people get to have that experience, right? They don't. So well, it probably is just that. I mean, I'll just quickly bring up Chris Ritchie's great yeah. um, moment for him. So I was, this is Chris Ritchie's talking. So I was doing a gig just at a restaurant and doing card magic, and this lady burst into tears and was basically said, I lost someone recently and just really needed this. It made me happy. And then I almost cried as well. <laughs> so you're right. Sometimes it's a, a combination of you're doing great shit, but also like they've just – gone through something tough or they've had a big week or just, you know, you've just opened the floodworks by your and they great just needed performance. Yeah. yeah. And I guess what, you know, times are tough. And if you have an opportunity <clears throat> to make someone so happy that they're happy and comfortable enough to just let go, that's mm. a good moment. And I think that that was just something worth sharing. It happened to me three times in this single week. It was really perplexing. Wow. I mean, two of them were actually events and one was just like someone asked me to show them something, you know, like a damn near happened. Uh, at the airport, I was going through duty-free and someone was like, hey, you want to come taste some stuff at the bar? And I'm like, yeah, I want to taste some stuff at the bar. Then I had a beautiful experience with this lovely, lovely lady. And it was like very much the same experience, you know, it was just like this overwhelming thing. And she just like had this outpour of like, I've been going through some stuff and I won't share it, you know, on, in this public forum. But like, I was just like, mm. wow, like I'm glad that I had an opportunity to have her go like, that changed me that day. It's like, it's just, I think you need to I think what we to take away from this is to share that magic is such a strong art form that it can have these impactful moments on people in their day, in their life. And you just want it to be for the good. Okay. I mean, it's the same reason why people walk around going, I hate magicians because you can use this very same medium to be an absolute tool to somebody and give them an awful experience or, you can be absolutely lovely and just lead with the best of intentions and just make people smile. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I, I love the good. Says, yeah. You know, I believe there are magic moments that we're supposed to be in. 
they're probably just as just as important that we're a part of them, you know? Absolutely. The the other reaction I love is goosebumps too, because you can't fake goosebumps. And I, and I love that when people are like, look at my arm, and I, I can just see them. Boom, 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 boom. That's mm. cool. The three things yeah, you can't- getting goosebumps from your side of the planet. Because I mean, because it's like a thousand degrees where you live, so getting goosebumps is pretty legit. Like, I just need to crack through. Yeah, I just crack open a window in Melbourne, and people go, "Oh, I got goosebumps." Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny, man. That's funny. But yeah, so calling back to Chris Ritchie just while just while he's on topic, um, Chris Ritchie mm. did a six-hour gig. Just if that's yeah, if that's not wow. a record, Jesus Christ! If anyone else can beat that, by all means, put it in the comments. But that's insane. Well done to you, Chris. Back to you, Josh. Yeah, damn, goosebumps crying and like real belly laughter the three emotions you just can't fake like when you're in public and all those three things either of them i'll take any day right like i love when you get people on a roll of laughing and they can't stop yeah that's that's awesome and then yeah the goosebump one the crying one is a rarity for me i've definitely have moments i can remember but three times in a week man you're doing something right so keep going yeah, maybe try, like try. I think crying from laughter, crying from laughter, I've definitely done that. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've finished a set and then mm. I go, thank you very much. I've been Nick K. Um, you've been wonderful. Have a great evening. And then the MC gets back on stage and they're like, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nick K. And they're wiping tears from their eyes, laughing their mm. butts off. Like yeah. those are great, great moments, you know? So, Absolutely. I had, I had one moment happen in – the echo shows where I ask, I always, in my show, I use three people and I always remember their names because it's like in the one routine. And mm. uh, sometimes, sometimes you get tricky names. And this first girl, her name was Vavara. And I was like, oh, great. Do you like, do you have a nickname? And she's like, not really. And I'm like, okay. And as I'm walking away, I'm like, I mean, Viv sounds pretty good, but whatever. So the audience laughs at that. <clears throat> then I go to the second guy. What's your name? He goes, kosher. I'm like, Jesus, what's happening here? And the audience laughs at that, right? And I'm like, all right. And he's like, like the salt. So I'm like, all right, everyone say hi, salt. They're like, hi, salt. Great. Vivara, kosher. And I look at the third guy and uh, I just pretended like he said something difficult. So then when he says his name, his name is Richard, but he says his name and I just go, like, you know, when you throw your arms up, like I give up. I just went like this and like went to walk off stage and then that was the moment I had the audience just like lose their shit because they knew exactly how I was feeling. And it happened mm. in the very last 27th show of the Echo. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it was the last time that I had that super belly laugh moment. And it was on stage, which is, some would yeah. say, even harder. Hey, we uh, should we play this um, speak pipe message? we have Nick. Oh yeah, I love these guys. When you if you have an opportunity, please send them through. We love hearing them. So yeah, fire away, Josh. Yeah, so this comes through by anonymous. So you do have the option to put your name in there um and email if you want us to be able to reply back to you. But that's okay. I feel like maybe he says his name in there. Speakpipe. We love getting these messages from you guys. You can just tell us a story, what you're up to, just even that you enjoy the podcast or ask for advice. The link is in the description of wherever you are watching slash listening to this. But we have one right here. And Nick, I'm just going to watch you to tell me if the volume is too loud or not. (laughs) Here we we go. This is Ace of Diamonds Magic. I had a question for all of you and and I wanted to hear your advice. 
I recently had a small parlor show. Uh, this was actually my first parlor show that I have performed at. And I was given 30 minutes to perform. And I had come up with a routine and I had scripted it and worked through it. And by the time I was done, uh, only about 20 minutes had uh, taken place. So I wanted to know your advice around finding the tricks that you can add in to fill in that extra time or different ways that I can um, script the routines to make them last a little bit longer. And also, if you're performing and you know you need to fill 10 more minutes or five more minutes, do you do that towards the end? Do you have a go-to trick that you add in? I just want to hear your advice. Thank you so much. That's a great question. That is a really good question. And the the reason I, okay, so just to be clear, so he's asking, how do you extend a show, which is kind of remarkable because more than not, I find myself having to cut shows short. So um, to not sway the topic, but sometimes you end up in situations where you've got a routine, you practice it, it goes great. You time it, it's 20 minutes, but then you add audience interaction and all of a sudden a belly laugh takes 10 seconds. You get a laugh every 30 seconds. You've added a whole bunch of time to your show. It's one of those things, right? So I think that you, if I could offer some advice in situations like this, because I've ended up in situations like this where I've gone to events, they've hired me for a roving event, but no one's rocked up to the, to the, to the party. And so what was supposed to be like 50 people has only been like 10 people arrive. And that's parlor show mentality. Now, you're not going to say like, well, too bad. I'm changing my rate. You owe me this much money. You go, okay, let's spend an hour doing stuff. Now, you're doing an hour of material in that time. So you got stuff you got to stretch out, which is kind of difficult. So I think ultimately, my advice would be know what you want to start with. Know what you can know what you want to end with. Okay. And then gauge what you can jazz in the middle. And what I mean by jazz is I try to treat it like routines, are kind of like songs, like a set list. And I do that because I was in a band for 10 years. Hey. And that's the way I treat it. So you just say, like, what songs can you mix in the middle? And what songs do you want to start and finish with? And that's kind of how I, um, how I would do my routines, exactly the same way. I'm going to start with, Cards across, I'm going to end with cups and balls, for example. And then what you can jazz in between. You're better off having more material to choose from, more routines to choose from, so that you can just pick and choose what you think should be in there and just jazz through that, like a DJ set. I think that makes more sense. And that's that's how I think mm. the best way to handle it is. Josh, what do you think? Look, I think you've said a lot of great things. So if I can just add on top of that, I would say Paul Daniels, in his prime, uh, even in the Bravora DVDs, he would have three extra tricks off stage ready to go if he needs filler time. So if something happens and <clears throat> a routine messes up or things go too quick, I know linking rings like he would keep as a backup for his corporates, for example. So having like extra routines that you're not going to do in the show, like I'm talking, you know, from for, for where you're at right now, where you don't yet know the length of your routines, because now Nick and I have a pretty good gauge how long our routines kind of go for, like these different chunks, just because we do it so much and we can cut off fat when we need to. But when you're first starting, um, yeah, I guess have more than what you need to do if it's a case of running too short. 
And that way you're not worried about um, the time running out and you'll have extra stuff. But essentially it was your first parlor show. So, I mean, well done for doing the first one. First yeah, of all. Yeah, I'll that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it is only your first one, so that's why. And yeah. what will happen is what happens to Nick and I now where it, we we have the opposite issue where it's way too easy to go far longer than you need to. So like my normal corporate show uh, used to be 30 minutes, but now that same set goes for 40 minutes, like the same tricks, but the routine now is just built so much bigger. So yeah. whenever a, whenever a client says, we just want you, we'll still pay you the same fee, but it's a 20 minute time slot. Like it's actually a push to, to try and do magic for only 20 minutes now, you know? And, uh, like, I think if you gave me, if you gave me like a Sharpie, a coin, maybe a wine bottle, um, like 15 minutes, no worries. Like no freaking worries at all. Cause there's stuff you can do that have no props, you know, it's so much you can do. Um, and that will just come with the more stage time that you get going. And parlor shows, my God, you can do so much in parlor shows. Like there's so much material because a lot of close-up can be just structured a tiny bit differently and you've got yourself parlor magic. So for now, have more magic than you need. Start timing your tricks and... Uh, I think you're on your way, my friend. So absolutely. And enjoy the flight time. Like enjoy the flight time. It's only through like doing this many gigs and, and getting, you know, this flight time that you gain all this experience from, but I think you'd like for a first go, well done, man. That's exceptional. Like we, tell us how your second one goes. Tell us how your third one goes. I think that'll be amazing. So yeah, yeah. But I think just reiterate, focus on the start on your finish. People always remember the start and the finish. And here's the thing. People don't always remember exactly what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. So don't worry too much about like what the routines are. They just need to know like they'll, whatever they feel is what they're going to remember. Like when people say like, oh, I saw a guy, Nick K. What did he do? I'm like, oh, you just, you just got to see him. You just got to see him. Like he did this thing with cards. He had the, the coins and it was in his eye. You, you got to see it. Like you just have to see it. And, that, and that's, the, that's, what, that's the feedback that you want. Like you want to give them that experience. Yeah. Agree, Josh? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, Magic's fun like that. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's funny now. Like we can go forever. Yeah. Um, well, Magic, Magic Buzz just made an interesting comment um, that I want to bring up on, if that's okay. And it says, yeah, I had to be a bit careful using the Allison, uh, sorry, Alan Warrenson EVP routine. Now, for those of you that don't know what this is, I've been very curious about this routine, which is why I want to have a quick chat about it. Effectively, what it is, is this. It's simulating like the ghost hunter vibe. Okay. So imagine you go into someone's home or someone's place or a warehouse, could be anything. And what you do is you place your phone on your palm like this. Okay. So your palm up and you just have your like vocal, like your, uh, is it just a voice recorder, I suppose is the app. And you leave it here, right? And what, what you do is you you ask questions to like the room. Like, is, is there anyone here? Like, what's your name? Like, what do you want? And they hear exactly what you guys hear. But when you play the video back, you can actually hear these audible responses from said spirits. It's a very, very interesting simulation of what could be a very, very creepy time. And... I'm very familiar with this routine and the methods 
diabolical, absolutely genius, very, very clever stuff. Um, it's 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 staggering. I think I think you've got to be pretty brave to perform it. Obviously, our friend Magic Buzz has, has, has done it. And it is one of those things that when you lead people down that garden path, and we're talking about, obviously, when you're leading into the realm of spirituality, it, I think that it, it kind of coincides with what's, what's happening with the hypnosis realm. You've really got to be careful about what you do. You know, there's people who go down this realm of doing spirit cabinets and seances and whatever else. And even though they say at the very beginning of every show, this is a trick. This is not real. None of this is real. This is all for entertainment. But people believe what they want to believe, hey? And I think that that's mm. one of those things. I don't perform stuff like this. I study it as a student of magic, as we all are. You know, we do that. I actually was um, gifted a book from a friend of mine, um, from the amazing Randy, where he's got a whole book on the spirituality thing. I'm yet to read it, but he was just just a couple of weeks ago gifted it to me. I'm halfway through reading a, a different book, but um, you know, if you were going to perform this stuff, do you do you perform anything of this nature, Josh? I stay well away from this. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely don't t- tap into the the other realm and things like that. People that are past, no, not spirits, nothing like that. I remember like the closest maybe was like doing PK touch. There was a time where I pretended it was like a spirit, you know, like doing the, like copying me. Like when I tapped this person, that person felt it, but that ended pretty quickly. Right. I think that was because it was a Halloween themed event or something, but I definitely think, yeah, you got to be careful because number one, people who don't believe in it are just going to think you're an idiot trying to convince them. And then, but the people that do believe in it, are like really going to believe in it. So like I remember even just doing magic in general. I did some mind reading and then the lady, another lady <laughs> came up to me and she's like, can you reach out to people who have passed? I'd love to contact my husband. I'm like, and straight away I'm like, it's not my thing. You know, I'm not even going to, in my head, I'm like, I'm not even going to entertain that, you know. Wow. But people will ask that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell our futures? Can you read our fortune? Yeah. Can I get the lottery Sometimes numbers? <laughs> oh, always, always. Can I get the lottery numbers? Can you make my husband disappear? Yeah. What do people think? Can you can you tell us a lot? Do they do they honestly? Because I've had people literally say, "Give me you know ten numbers. I'm going to write them down right now." And that that's happened in front of my head. I like I've told them. Obviously, if I could do that, I would be a a freaking billionaire. But They've actually got me to name the numbers, write them down. <laughs> Crazy. And then they leave you a one-star review on Google going like, I asked for lottery numbers. They weren't correct. Josh, one star. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, love doing, uh, I love doing the Melbourne Cup gigs where they ask you what horse they should bet on. And I just tell every person a different horse. So the one that does win is going to think I'm a freaking genius. Yeah. I like those gigs too, man. Like, I um, I remember this. I I did a a gig there, and this guy just kept dumping fifties on me. He just went another one, bang, and then I do a trick. He's like, another one, bang, do a trick, and then he dared me to steal a watch, and I stole a watch. He was like, "If you steal that guy's watch in the green jacket, I'll give you a hundred bucks." And I'm like, "God!" <laughs> and I actually stole the watch from the wrong guy. There was two guys wearing the same jacket, but I stole the wrong one. And wow, uh, did yeah, you consider? Was- did you consider going up to that guy and being like, "Hey, buddy"? That guy there has bet me $50 that 
that I can steal your watch. I'll I'll give you that fifty dollars if you let me steal it, and then no, you I, get the hundred. I backed myself really thoroughly at that gig. I did, but yeah, it, it's an interesting thing. I've I've got a new um uh, lottery routine. I've uh I've put together and and so forth, and I'm structuring in such a way that like I haven't predicted the lottery. But I predict, I, I think this is ethically correct. And I'm happy to be corrected on this because this is a work in progress, which I'm sort of sharing well in advance before presenting it to an audience. It still has a couple of bugs, but I will be doing this very, very soon. And in this routine, the idea is, is that we have a bunch of numbers chosen. And I won't give away the full routine because I do want it to be a surprise if anyone should see it. And mm. effectively, the the ethical experience should be that I didn't predict the lottery I predicted the numbers that you guys would have chosen for the lottery. And it's a, it's a ticket that I bought. I bought the ticket. You guys chose the numbers. I matched it. And if it wins, I'll be sharing half of the winnings with everyone who came to the show. Okay. And I think that is epic to do. <clears throat> All you need to do is scan the QR code on the big screen over there and follow me on my Instagram and blah, blah, blah. And then that's just a nice way to like <laughs> people in. And then if you win, it's like, hey, guys, everyone who came to the show on blah, blah, blah night, we've won the jackpot. Here's 50%. Hmm. Share amongst them. I keep 50. I do more shows. But imagine, imagine the headline. Imagine you did that. Imagine you did a show and you won like $40 million prize pool goes to single winner magician Nick K, who is sharing <laughs> – Oh, bro. I just, that? that would be the best PR ever. It, it couldn't get any better, but that's the goal. And imagine that does happen. And like, why, just- why hasn't a mentalist or magician won the lotto to be able to do that? I've never seen the headline, magician wins $50 million. You've seen mentalist predicts the outcome of the Super Bowl and things of that nature, like, but mm-hmm. never, but never the lottery numbers. Hmm. And here's the thing. If you were to win, would you play on the fact that you somehow knew so that then there opens up a lawsuit to discover how you knew? Or do you just go along with, I just got lucky. Obviously what I do is tricks. What do you do there? Yeah. What do you do? I guess you have to expose the method to a, I mean, I guess if it goes to magistrate court or, or, or some sort of high court, should you be challenged on that? Mm. That would be epic. Cause that's great marketing. Like to say you did it using conjuring Jedi methods or Jedi forces, then there's, that's going to be an issue for them, but the world's going to love that. Or you just keep the money Super easy, clean cut, but everyone knows you just got lucky. Would it ruin your career, do you think? Do you think you could use that PR and then all of a sudden everybody comes to your shows with the expectation that we're all going to win the lottery and then it doesn't happen and all of a sudden you get slandered like no one's business and everyone's like, I bought tickets to this show. It was a good show, but it didn't win the lottery. And then you just get slandered for, you know? Yeah. Well, you could say because I won the lottery – like they won't, I'm like banned from entering again, maybe. Mm, would you combat that? Would you combat that by saying, I am not legally allowed to do this for X amount of time? Is that a thing? Because I actually have a, uh, 
I, I haven't seen him in many a years, but I had these guys I used to work with back in the day when I was um I was waitering. This is like many, many years ago. Like I think I was still in my P plates then because when you were I'd, waitering, did you say? Yeah, yeah. I was waitering, not in a band. But um well, yeah, was yeah. that before or after? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just a kid, but I, I remember being on my P plates because I used to drive these guys home, um, these twin brothers, and they used to play the lottery every week. And one week they won second division. And I think it was something like $260,000 in the second division. They won again the week after, which was, a further, a, was the third division for an additional $60,000. With the same numbers? Oh, no. With the same numbers. Oh, I, th- I think they have like the same numbers, but it's like, you know, they play like 10 games or whatever else. And they just played it every right. single week. But they won twice a week in a, like in a row and then paid off their parents' house. Like it was a beautiful story. So, Damn. but imagine having that skill set. Bro, if we had a fraction of the powers we have to an audience, like we'd be set. Actually, (laughs) here's the thing about powers. I was asked a very interesting question on my Instagram actually the other day. And it was, would you rather be a good guy with really crap superpowers, like really basic, like stupid powers, right? And maybe your power was like, I have this amazing superpower. What is this? Like I can produce a toothpick anywhere. Watch toothpick but that's yeah, it or like, or like i can reheat food with the click of my fingers yeah like that's my skill you know what i mean like you just have this one stupid skill but you're a good guy or would you rather be a villain okay but have like crazy good superpowers so i ask you that question josh nabito would you rather be the good guy or the bad guy i think we know the answer to this I think that's a given. We're what gonna be it? bad for sure. For yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna put this out to the audience as well. Sorry, Mike sorry, goodness, I got a little calm yourself. <laughs> the drama there. <laughs> I'm gonna put the audience good guy, good guy, bad guy. Me, I answered the question on, on the gram and I said that I would like to be a bad guy, but I'll tell you why. There's bad guys like if anyone's seen the movie Dexter, okay, or the TV show Dexter. Um, Dexter is a pretty bad guy, right? Mm. But does good things. He puts away people and he wraps them up in plastic, cuts them up and throws them in the bottom of a, of a, of a river. I get it. <laughs> but they're bad people. So it's that's the type of thing where like if you could just – if you like that – Essentially, is you're a bad guy. I mean, Batman's a bad guy. Technically, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a vigilante. That's not legit. That's a bad thing. That's why cops are supposed to chase him whenever they rock up at, at scenes. But it's only like yeah, Gordon yeah. back. You know what I mean? But he's or a like, bad guy. So, yeah, or like yeah. Daredevil, those kind of, yeah, busting yeah. heads by night. Yeah, so a vigilante is. Are they bad guys? I think you're just trying to justify. <laughs> no, it's legit. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, what's good or bad? It's not subjective. I mean, there is a metric to measure that. It's called legalities. It's the law, right? Mm. So I think that being a bad guy is kind of kind of good. But in the same breath, I'm sort of really taken back by a comment that was said by Mike Tyson. And what Mike Tyson said in an interview, he actually said, I don't want to be a great man. I want to be a good man. Good men are good men, but bad, but great men are bad men. 
And if you look up any like story of any great man, whether it be Einstein or, you know, any great person, this is so funny. My, this, my neighbor's just in his underwear, just like in the window. Hey, I can see uh-huh. who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Great on a life. Imagine if imagine if crazy stuff was just happening um, outside your back door that we can see in the screen right now. Yeah, well, well, jealously they have a hot tub on their balcony and I don't, so I'm a little jello of them. Uh, they got a good situation over there, but damn, yeah. How long? How much longer are you in New Zealand? By the way, I'm only here. I'm I'm here for a couple more days. I'm going to head back on Thursday night, so I'm going to head one one more day in the mountain and then yeah, head back. Is there any work related? stuff happening while you're in New Zealand or is this purely Nick fun? Nick fun. Of, that's the most kind of fun you can have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it, it's been a, a very well needed break. I was borderlining burnout, I think. Um, mm. Because of work. I love work. I love magic. But just- because of those three hour gigs. <laughs> so many gigs. And uh, yeah, no, I, I just, this is a really good reset button, but um, it's really great. You step away from, from life and you have an opportunity to let loose and uh, drink really nice Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey on a podcast with some of your best friends and um, then go back just going like, okay, let's go to the gym now because I've probably put on a kilo just eating Ferg burgers and so forth. If you've not been to Queenstown, you've got to scope out this place called Ferg Burger. They have a Ferg Burger and a Ferg Bakery and a Ferg Bar. They're all right next to each other. Oh, damn. It's like this guy, I reckon he prints money out of this place. Like – it, the line is never not shorter than like six meters long. It's the some of the best burgers you'll get in the world. And he refuses, refuses to franchise. Like he's just like, nope, you want to come? Come to Queenstown. That's the deal. And just doesn't doesn't budge. And I love that. There's something beautiful, inherently beautiful about that, about not being this like money-hungry sort of notion. Like it's just great. Damn. Yeah. Can recommend. Well. That's something I haven't I have not done yet. Well, I haven't, yeah, have not been to Queenstown yet. But hey. Well, we should like tour here. Fun, man. It's great. It's absolutely great. Mm. And yeah. And I don't know if there's any magicians out here. It is a tourist town, so I don't imagine that there's like a lot of corporate or magic work or anything. You know, there's a couple of weddings and so forth that happen around here. Yeah. I remember Dooley was talking about getting a a residency happening in Queenstown at one point. I'm sure mm-hmm. I heard him say that because of the tourist amount of people. A motel would do really like need something like that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some really beautiful places that are more orientated for families. And I think that maybe heading a little further south to places like Dunedin would be a really good opportunity for that. But around here, it's just the whole place runs on adrenaline. Like you come here to go on speedboats and skydive and bungee jump and snowboard, ski, um, you know, like uh, last time I was here, we actually booked a helicopter to do a helicopter drop and jump out of the helicopter and do a bunch of runs. But um, it, it, the weather was so, you know, hazy and yeah, it was just, yeah, <laughs> fortunately not. Uh, Tim mm. did ask, thank you, Tim, for asking, uh, is there going to be a Piper review? Unfortunately, friends, because I have been out of the country and not with any products, um, there will be no Piper review this week. However, I did get a really hilarious message from um, Alex Lam on Instagram. Actually, give me an opportunity to read this out. It was actually quite funny because for those of you that did watch the review on the Instagram on my uh, YouTube channel, uh, it's quite a funny, fun exchange when you actually see what happens. And here's what he wrote. 
I just picked up Vanish. Man, why are the biggest thinkers in Magic some of the biggest wankers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I did. I watched that review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched your review, rather. He goes on to say, I was watching your Piper review and thinking, oh, so Justin hasn't changed. <laughs> this is just another level. And it was. You've, you've, it's like out of control. He goes, I love his thinking and I love his creativity, but dude, lay off the brownies. And that, that's that snippet you you played where he just goes off on some rank tangent trying to yeah. be funny is just what the heck like people don't even want to watch tutorials anymore let alone ones that aren't just like to the point yeah you know like it even says here like i think yes i think you were honestly too nice in your review <laughs> Because I had trouble following and teaching his beats. And it's there's a level of truth there. I think that if you're going to be making a point, be succinct. Um, it's great that you guys mm. love the reviews. That's really, really cool. I actually got a very nice message from Piper saying that you guys are supporting him and you are making your purchases. So, of course, we're going to take this opportunity to plug Piper Magic for all of your magic needs. Of course, if you need anything from Piper Magic, you can purchase it from pipermagic.com.au. And if you're going to do that, make sure you do use discount code Piper guys, all one word, Piper guys. And if you do that, you will receive a discount on all your purchases, no matter what you need, sponge ball, flash paper, etc. Go ahead and do that. Not only supports our good friend Sean Piper, but also supports us here at the Magic Guys. And we love doing the reviews. Uh, if there's anything else that you guys want us to actually review, you can ask, like hit me up. Um, I'll see if I can get it or at least get the review or the tutorials on the product if it hasn't been released yet, for example. So mm. if you do want to see, message myself or through the Magic Guys. Um, socials, and we'll do everything we can to let you guys know about whatever products you want to do. So, I love, I love though that people are looking forward to the reviews. That's awesome because it was Nick's idea, and when he brought it to us, we were like, I don't know if it fits to have a review in a podcast, but of course, we just tried to see what happened, and it's amazing that you guys are, are, are liking it. We, you know, had some feedback where people were like. When you have a guest on, maybe you shouldn't have one or what or whatnot. But we kind of figured out a pretty good formula where now Nick gives us like the main chunk of the review, but then to see the actual review, you go to his video. So it doesn't really take up like a lot of podcast time, but you know where the goods are to go watch it. So it's good. Imagine imagine if like what a service this would be, Nick. You watch the tutorials on behalf of people, like Vanish, for example. And then for people of the podcast who buy it, you actually re-record, like you make your own tutorial for the viewers that's concise and like proper. (laughs) 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 Can you imagine that? Yeah. Oh, and Ed, thank you kindly. Um, So glad you enjoyed it. Thank you kindly for the kind words. But yes, I'll do make it upon, take it upon myself to do more of them, of course. Um, The Jao Miranda product that I reviewed, super interesting product. Um, Like I don't know if you, you guys have seen it before, but... I, I can't understand how I like it went under the radar. Like that product had been around for a year before it was sent to me. It's a mm. great product, you know? And especially with the techniques that I use in my magic, like I loved it. And I, re- I regret not figuring it out like sooner myself. There's a beautiful simplicity, but the way that like Jamaranda executes this particular method is just so clever. It made me upset, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah. a beautiful piece of magic that makes you cry. I was on that level, you know? Like, it was great. So, yes, we'll definitely be doing more reviews in the future. And, yeah, we'll press on with that, most definitely. And thank you guys for your ongoing support. It's really appreciated. Thank you so much. 
Because I can't, that's, a part of me fun. kind of feels like this is their podcast as much as it is ours. Like they can kind of just, you know. Oh, yeah. If something's bad, you can tell us. <laughs> you know, we're very much making this for, for your ears. And uh, I love hearing like the ratio of people that just listen to it in their cars. Obviously, uh, it's a small portion that watch it live, but compared to, you know, where it will go during the week. But I love it. I love doing it. Love having Nick on the pod. Love having Doug on the pod when he's back after his birthday bash. I love that Nick just, um, Nick, <laughs> I, lo well, I love that Nick knows how to, you know, recoup and spend his time. But I love how Doug, you know, in his 50s, which is still young, 50, when I'm 50, I plan to still be, you know, running around like an idiot. But I love that he still knows how to like have a good time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I feel like Doug knows how to party, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, as in like, if we were out somewhere, he's like, let's go get something to eat and hang out till four in the morning doing card tricks. I'm like, I, I think this about you, Doug. Like, yeah, he's full of beans. Yo, thank you for all the comments, my friends. Thank you. Well, look, I think it's time for our departing words and I did it last time. So I think we know whose turn it is this time. Guys, you have a great week. Here we go. Today's final word is this, friends. A little while ago, a friend of mine gave me some, some kind words about another performer. And this performer was not the best person I've met. And the reason I bring this up is that he still did a pretty okay show, but comparatively, it could have been more amazing. And I want to share the feedback that this friend had said to me. And he said this. He said, magic is such a such Magic is such a strong form of entertainment, it can carry even the weakest performer. This is why a nine-year-old can look like an absolute Jedi and why someone in their 30s can look like an absolute god. It's the strength that this art form has. So take it upon yourself, if you are going to practice your magic, to do it with the best of intent. If your intent is to make people smile, keep that in your heart and in your head. If your intention is to just change someone's mood for the day, do that. It's a superpower that you guys have. It might sound like a minor superpower, but you all have it. So take it upon yourselves. Go out there. Do your magic for no other reason that you want to make people smile. And that's my final word. Thanks for listening. It's time for us to disappear now. Disappear now. But we'll see you again on the next episode of The Magic Guys.